Football systems check. Microphone. Check. Record enabled. Kate. Check. Michelle. Check. All systems go. I repeat, all systems go. We got a problem. We got a Copy. We have ball blast. I repeat, we have ball blast. Hey, that's a long one by you today. That was extended cut. Ooh, we're feeling it. Feeling it tonight. What is up, ball blasties? Ball, ball blasters. I feel like you have to say it fast, like ball blasties. Ball. So the implication is on the ball blasties. Ball blasties. Ball blasties. Yeah. Welcome in, Ball Blasties, to the Ball Blast Podcast. I'm your host, Kate. And I'm Michelle. You can find me on Twitter at FFBallBlast. And you can find me, Michelle, at BallBlastM. BallBlastEM. BallBlastEM. What is up, everybody? We have a very special guest today, Miss Liz Loza of the Yahoo Fantasy Sports crew joins us today to talk some spicy takes. She's awesome. She's so awesome. And she has some very spicy takes that gave me heartburn. Uh, she calls me severe anxiety. You guys will find out why. Yeah. Um, a little bit later. It, it, her One of her takes literally hurt my heart. They fist fighted in the parking <laughs> What's the, what's the past fought? tense of fist? They fist fought they in the parking lot? <laughs> what is that? That's what I would say. So I've never been in a fist fight. You I've fist never- fought. I've never fist fought. <laughs> you never fist fought. How do you, how does, like, what is the past tense for fist fought? Is it fist fought? Yeah. That's so, what we're going with here. So, like, when you're in, like, sixth grade and you're like, dude, I totally fist fought on the parking lot I'm yesterday. I'm sure they just say I totally punched a kid, you know? Be what a cool. violent young life be, you must have led. Be cool, Kate. I went Don't, to Catholic school, Michelle. If you say Peace fi- and love. <laughs> if you say fist fought, no one's going to actually believe you. Would you anybody beat me? <laughs> I feel like I would get beat up if I said fist fought. Yeah, you would, as you should. Yeah. So Michelle and Liz Lowe's a fist fought, which was pretty cool. That's coming up a little bit later. Um, we are going to be at the Midwest Fantasy Football Expo in Canton, Ohio, August 18th. Tickets are just $20, but with promo code BALLBLAST, one word, all caps, you get those $5 off. We're going to be on the live podcast stage. It's going to be awesome. I'm like really into the falsetto right now. So falsetto. Yeah, you're not going to do that on stage. We're going to be, we're going to be chill. That you know of. Yeah. <laughs> uh, don't forget to check us out on Patreon over at patreon.com slash Your support gets you an extra episode per week. You get that slack chat which is exclusive to our patreon subscribers we are very chatty over there we like our our patreon guys over there we have a good good group of people chatting don't forget to hit us up your support gets us air conditioning in our stifling addict so we don't die it's very important to the Bob West podcast um and last but not least we have a very exciting announcement we are going to be helping to host Fantasy football night, Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, we're here. We're always here. North like, Park Lounge. North Park Lounge, Lawrenceville. It's right we, on Butler Street. 
Butler Street, Lawrenceville, Pittsburgh. Um, we will be there on August 28th, 7 to 10 p.m. We'll be hosting Fantasy Football Night. We'll be doing a live podcast there at the at the bar. We will be doing mock drafts, which may turn into real leagues. I yeah. don't know. I, don't I think know. they should they should be real league drafts, but we haven't we haven't uh, figured out all the details yet. But have we'll it. have big draft boards there. It should be a fun time. Yeah, they're all going to be live. Um, we're going to have some food specials, some drink specials. I think Wednesday is burger night. Who doesn't love a good burger? Love burgers. Love burgers. But check that out. Please consider coming to support us out there at North Park Lounge, Lawrenceville, August 28th. August is going to be a busy month. Don't forget that we're partnering with FantasyGo.com for the season. So go ahead and check our profiles out there. But we're going to be talking a little bit more about that later. Michelle, should we get into some training camp buzz? Yes, please. This just in. Breaking news. Breaking news. I've got some good feelings about the first news item. Michelle, Dante Moncrief, lining up as the front runner for the start and roll opposite Juju. You're a hyper tonight. I am. I'm so excited about this. I have been so high on Dante Moncrief this whole offseason. Been wondering what y'all have been doing drafting him in the 13th and 14th round. He's finally climbing up a little bit. He's still being drafted in the 10th round, sometimes 11th. Yeah, what he's still going late, y'all? as he should. I'm a little worried. Oh. I Like I said about the Green Bay offense, the wide receiver, too, there might not be fantasy worthy. They're going to have some good games. But what I'm worried about the Green Bay offense is that everybody's going to have their good game. Here's You're the going difference. to have a Jimmy Graham game. Mm. You're going to have an MVS game. You're going to have an Allison game. Mm. And that's what I'm a little scared of with the Steelers. You're going to have Jalen Samuels getting involved. You're going to have a Moncrief game. Possibly Washington can get involved. Maybe Vance McDonald game. You know it's Juju in the Pittsburgh offense, and then you know it's Devontae Adams. Besides that, I don't know. There doesn't have to be another great fantasy asset in the receiver group. Like th- That happens a lot for the Steelers, where it's only one wide receiver. It was Antonio Brown for the longest time and nobody else. I just feel like we're making someone fit into this you know, this Juju role or this wide receiver two role that Juju had there. And it doesn't necessarily have to be that way. I feel like you're wrong. And here, here is why. Randy Fitchner um, became the offensive coordinator of the Steelers last season, right? Former quarterbacks coach. And everybody said, Randy Fitchner, he might be something for Big Ben. He might call plays in the favor of Big Ben, which he did. You saw a significant uptick in in the past plays. You saw a significant decrease in the rushing attempts. And I don't think it was that they just didn't have the weapons. I think it was just tilted play calling. I think they screwed up. I think it was, uh, you know, I, I, I think you had a pass-heavy coach who was in the game and he wanted to show off Big Ben, which, like, that's his prize piece, right? He was the quarterback's coach. You're going to want to feature him in the offense because he's a Super Bowl-winning quarterback. I just think that there's still going to be a lot of room in this passing game. I don't project two hundred or 675 passing attempts, but 600 passing attempts. I know Connor will be involved. Samuels will be involved. Juju will be involved. There's still a lot of targets to go around, and Big Ben has – 
still the arm strength, the passing ability to get the ball to another wide receiver so that he's able to surpass his value of going in the 11th round. I feel like there's huge value to be had there. Possibly. Okay. Uh, Damian Williams returned to practice Wednesday. Carlos Hyde got the majority of the first team reps. Michelle? I think Damian Williams gets his starting role back. Um, I, I know, there's been some reports saying Carlos Hyde has been great in Damian Williams' absence, but then at the same time, we haven't really seen much. I just I feel like the reports aren't. I don't know. For some reason, I don't trust the Carlos Hyde reports. And I, I, I mean, I'm the known Damian Williams hater. And I've been saying Carlos Hyde's name all offseason. Not necessarily for Hyde, but I just don't, you know, believe in Damian Williams. But now that he's back after missing 10 practices, I do think, I, I just think he steps right back into his role. I know today he didn't completely step right back into his role, but he did get some first team reps. Uh, what's more nerve-wracking for people who like Damian Williams is that he came back so fast. Um, Dr. Jesse Morris um, on Twitter said he came back way too fast and that his risk for re-injury is massive right now. And he believes that he came back fast because he was worried that his job was going to be taken. So I do think what's worse is that your job will definitely be taken if you re-injure this and you have to sit out longer. But as long as he stays healthy, this is his job. Just hold your breath for now, Damian Williams fans. All right. Antonio Brown has the most disgusting feet I've ever seen. Yeah, Breaking they, news. They nasty. They're super. Did you actually look at the picture yet? Yeah, I finally. It popped up on my timeline. Blech. It's gross. He's apparently. smiling in the picture. I would be like crying. Yeah, it's just disgusting. First, like, don't show those puppies off. Hide them. It's fine if you want to show them off, but he was like legit, like smiling in the background. I feel like that has to hurt so bad. Like, just think when you think when you ever just have some skin exposed, like how bad it hurts to touch things. And that's at the bottom of your feet. I don't even know how he's walking. I really don't. Um, but reports so, say he's running, but not cutting very well, which is insane. pretty understandable. They're calling it extreme frostbite from um, what? what is it called? Cryogenics machine. I don't know what it is. I'm not familiar with it. I read some reports that it's great for weight loss and trimming, so I think I'm going to try it next. <laughs> well, it's kind of like, I, I'm guessing it's a lot like the ice bath where it's just really good for the athletes' bodies. I, I do believe a lot of them do it. You just have to make sure you're wearing the correct you know, equipment, equipment especially gear. the footwear to make sure you don't get frostbite. So I'm not sure how this happened, what Antonio Brown was doing. Why was he not wearing the correct footwear? Uh, I, I'm guessing we're never going to get those answers because they're not going to willingly say anything about it. But from the report today, there's no timeline for him to come back. Like they have no timeline, nothing planned out for him. If you see the feet, you understand why. Yeah. And that if this was again, if this he's still with the Steelers and they plan for him to be okay by week one, no worries. You know he didn't need the reps with the Steelers. In a brand new offense with Derek Carr, you might you don't need a ton of reps, but you do need some reps. So this is going to be interesting. In other news, uh, Antonio Brown's child does not realize that they are no longer playing with the same team, and he is looking for Big Ben. So if anybody's seen Big Ben, he's absent from the Raiders' practice, and Antonio Brown's child is worried about it. Yeah, he was definitely a little confused. I don't think he realized that they moved across the country for a reason. Kids. Oh, kids. They were cute, though. 
They were adorable. Well, um, Michelle, I really want to get into Liz Loza, but before we get to the special guest, I want to talk about one of the newer fantasy football sites on the market. During the season, you spend so much time asking us questions on Twitter. So much time. We spend a lot of time responding, but we can't, unfortunately, get to everybody. At FantasyGo.com, it is the only site of its kind to allow you to literally go into the marketplace you pick your favorite analyst, me, Kate Majuk. Or me, Michelle M. Is it Michelle M or Michelle Majuk? Um, I'm pretty sure it's M. I think it's M. You're right. That's probably a little easier. Um, but no, obviously it's me, Kate M. <laughs> um, and you go into the marketplace, you pick one of us, and we literally help you manage your team, set your lineups. We can help you make uh, waiver wire decisions, add drops, if you're in too many leagues, maybe you overcommitted yourself. If you're going on vacation, can't be bothered to keep up with the news, go to fantasygo.com, go to the marketplace, find me, Kate M. Or me, Michelle M. Sure, sure. Or like either of us ball blast ladies are going to help you win that championship. So just come find one of us. And yeah. you know what? It'll be okay. Get the ball blast girls exclusive fantasy advice. Let us help you manage your teams in 2019 by going to fantasygo. Everybody, welcome to the podcast. Our very special host, Liz Loza of Yahoo Fantasy Yahoo <laughs> Fantasy Sports. What is up, Liz? Hey, I feel so great to be here. This is exciting. Thank you so much for having me. You guys have done such an incredible job driving your voice and creating an identity for the show and your individual selves on social. I was like, yes, ladies, let them hear you roar. So I was actually, if I'm being totally honest, I was like, what are they going to ask me? When, when am I getting my invite to this? That's how you know you've made it. I, I really think that's the case. I I really think Twitter needs a little bit more estrogen, if I'm being honest. Ladies, speak up if you're listening to this podcast. We need some more women out there repping fantasy football, repping sports in general. Like there's some big names out there like you, Liz, like um, Brandon. Like we we need more women though. So I need more people to step up. And I, I want to hear from every single woman listening to this podcast. I want you to tweet us all and tell us that you're out there because we need to find you guys. Oh, I know they're out there. Here is my pet theory on why there are fewer women in the space. And I think, Kate, you sent out a, tw a tweet about a poll. Like if you were chasing fantasy as a career and you got a job offer, would you actually have the... Um, I'm going to say the eggs. Honeys? No, the eggs. Yeah. To, uh, <laughs> would you have the ovaries to take it? And the answer from a lot of people was like, well, it would depend. And, you know, I think the issue is that like as women, there are so many um, responsibilities that we take on both in the home and at work that having a dream career isn't necessarily always um, re realistic. And um, yeah, I think that's fair. We, you know, we're so busy multitasking and a job like this one requires, if you're going to break into any niche field and you're going to have a creative job, it takes so much focus and dedication and sacrifice. And you have to be willing to maybe tell your partner that you can't go out on Friday or Saturday night or be away from your kids or let the dishes sit in the sink. 
Um, you know, most dudes don't have a problem with that. We, however, <laughs> do, right? So like, um, you have to let, you have to let some other stuff go. You have to reprioritize. And I think we are so busy trying to make all of the pockets of life as perfect as possible that we don't know which dish to like let fall from the sky, you know, which one do we stop spinning? And, you know, so ladies, who cares? Don't do the dishes. Yeah. <laughs> Order takeout, like whatever it is. Like, I will be fully honest. Like people ask me all the time, like, how do you juggle everything? I don't cook. Like I have just given up. I don't cook. Thank you for being honest. I don't care. I don't know how to cook. I make a hell of a drink. Um, there you go. Same. I, have, <laughs> I don't cook at all, but yes, I'm with you there. Nope. I definitely have eaten a handful of almonds for dinner. So there you go. <laughs> Uh, yeah, one guy responded to that and said he would need 180k in benefits. I'm like, then uh, if you need that much, I- I'm guessing you're not very passionate about this field anyway. So I don't make that at my day job. <laughs> I know. I'm like, that's a crazy amount to need to uh, take this on full time. But but Liz, you're sort of like the the pinnacle of that, right? Like you've you've made all this happen. How did you transition into Liz Lowe's of the fantasy sports girl? Um. So. Oh gosh. So, um, I, I went to college. I grew up in Chicago, went to college out East, came out to LA to work as an actress. I didn't have, I was raised by a single mom, so I didn't have any money. Um, I didn't have rich parents to fall back on. Um, and my mom was sort of like, okay, like go out into the world. And I got a job as a waitress and I had two day jobs. Um, and then was pounding the pavement as an actress and I was 21 So I had all the energy in the world. And, um, but that was kind of, I I mean, I had seen my mom hustle my whole life because she was a single mom. So it wasn't weird to me. I had no entitlement about what the world owed me at all. And, um, I thought, of course, if I was going to go try to have this dream job that meant hard work and sacrifice. And I will say right up that I am in a privileged position that I could even attempt to have that job. There are so many people who don't even get the parent support to go out here or who don't even have the, um, the privilege that I had to chase a career like this one. So by no means am I trying to get on some sort of high horse. Let's just nip that in the bud right away. But I did have the support of my mom and I was able to work two jobs and I found a cheap apartment and a roommate and I made it work and I got used to the hustle and I was working as an actress. Um, you can go on my IMDb and see all of the different credits, but I was working on TV, but not famous by any means. I was getting my healthcare benefits. Um, you know, I wasn't making a ton of money and obviously the cost of living in Los Angeles is quite high, but I was a working actress and I was making things happen and I booked a pilot for ABC Um, and I thought, oh my God, I have done it. It was a multicam sitcom. I thought it was hilarious. We shot live. All of my dreams were coming true. I remember signing autographs after we shot in front of the live studio audience. And I was thinking it is happening. And then, um, as the weeks unfolded, the president of ABC at the time, he is no longer the president. Um, it was down to our show and another show. And he opted for a show called last man standing. I've heard of that. Yeah. It's been around for a while. Um, and I had in the meantime started a blog called the fantasy football girl, which was created because in acting, I was so, I wanted some creative control because when you're in a creative field and you're in entertainment, so much of it is like, Oh, you looked like the director's ex-girlfriend. So he didn't want you or, Oh, you were too skinny for this, but you were too fat for this. And it's so, there are so many stars that need to align for you to be able to even do your job that, um, it was getting frustrating. And so I created this blog because as I was watching 
Fantasy Football Live, on which I will be returning for my fifth season, which is crazy. Congratulations. Um, I was watching it before kickoff with my then boyfriend, and I said, I don't get this. Why are there no women in this space? Why are a bunch of 30-year-old white dudes talking to me about this when the NFL viewing audience is a 46% share women? And my boyfriend at the time looked at me and said, I don't know, start a blog. So I did. And I put together so casually. Yeah. He was just like, I don't know, lady, like what I have your passion when I'm there. Um, <laughs> and so, um, I was like, thank you next will do and started the fantasy and create, took all of the work that all, everything that I had learned in entertainment about content creation, about scheduling things, about programming, even networking my friends. Like you have a lighting kit. I know you're not using it because your show's on hiatus. I'm going to borrow your lighting kit. Like you, um, at, like I know that, you know, this producer who can help me like make an in-studio, like a home studio sort of thing. And so I created this blog with an actual content schedule and video logs. Remember vlog? before everything was just automatic video, like did that. And, um, then the next season I started a podcast called the X's and Y's podcast with my, um, former co-host John Evans and also said yes to everybody's everything. Something I still do. Like you don't know who you're going to meet in this business. There were podcasts I did in the beginning that sounded like they were being recorded in a phone booth, like an actual 1970s or eighties phone booth underwater. And I still (laughs) did the damn show. Like And, you know, I, it just started to mount and something else I did that I would encourage people to do. And it's interesting because people always say, how did this happen? And I was like, well, you just start connecting the dots. And I went on what at the time was iTunes and I just searched for fantasy football and I sent the top 10 most listened to or downloaded independent fantasy football shows, a query letter. I listened to each of the shows. I got a feel for who the people were. I individual, I just didn't like spam them out, right? I individualized them, spent the time customizing them, sent them out. The fantasy football guys who at the time were the number three overall downloaded podcast behind ESPN and CBS and the number one independent show, um, contacted me back. I said, give me a sleeper segment. This is what I'm good. Just give me a segment on one week. Um, and once, once a week and they said yes. And so I started like just getting reps and that grew my audience and it all snowballed until scout hired me. Um, and this was, so then the the acting thing happened and I had been growing this. And then when the pilot didn't happen, I was like, I'm just going to focus a hundred percent on growing this fantasy football thing. And I'll take acting jobs as they come, but I'm going to stop pushing my networking focus towards entertainment. I I still worked. I still did, you know, voiceover jobs. I still had an agent. I would still go on auditions as they came, but I wasn't trying to break through anymore. I wasn't focusing all of my extra energy on networking for the next gig and getting to know people and, and, you know, marketing and all of that, which is a huge part of having an entertainment career that nobody talks about. But I let that down and instead focused on fantasy football and it just started to snowball. Um, and I will say that I, at, I had the best, the best surprise of my life came in 2013 when my son was born. I <laughs> did not expect it. Right. <laughs> that was not, um, necessarily the plan that I had, but it happened. And I remember getting an offer from scout for a full-time football season position, like a paid, you are going to work just in fantasy football for this football season. And I had a 13 month old baby. And I thought, I don't. That's sort of the dream. <laughs> well, well, I was just like, I don't know yeah. how I'm going to do this. Like, I don't, my husband works full time. We don't have any family. 
here in Los Angeles. We're both only children. I don't have a baby. We can't afford a babysitter. Like, how am I going to do this? But I just didn't, I didn't sleep. And that was it. I mean, the baby's up all night anyway. And so I just didn't sleep. And by the end of that season, um, Yahoo noticed and they poached me away. And I have been, I actually, yeah, I have been with them. I just re-upped a new deal uh, over the weekend. Congratulations. That that really just sort of speaks to you as like a human being, the the kind of grind that you put into this. Seriously, everything is so well-deserved. And honestly, I think it, I mean, I, I broke into this sort of in the Twitter, Twitter sphere and it is, it's such a saturated market because you know what, everybody wants to play and analyze fantasy football for a living. So it's the hardest industry in the world to break into, I feel like, because every, everybody's willing to work for free. So like, good for you for hustling to the point where you can actually do this for real, for real. Well, and that's also, I'm glad you make that point because I do think anyone listening, like, um, the best negotiation you can do is to demand money and people will pass. People will not want, I mean, there were people who offered me peanuts and I was like, no, that is not worth, that is not, that's not an ROI. Like I am in the business of analyzing players who will return on investment. And that deal you're offering me is not a good one. And if I take it, it is evidence of the fact that I do not know what I'm doing professionally. So that's a pass. And you have to be willing to say no to get the big yeses. You have to be willing to pass on the trap players in order to get to the next big thing. So especially for women, know your damn worth. Stop being grateful for crumbs. You deserve the whole goddamn cake. I love that. I love that so much. Let's give your, sh- your Twitter uh, handle a shout out here at Liz Loza underscore FF because Everybody needs to follow you right now. Uh, obviously, they already do. Well, they, you can also follow me on Instagram at Liz Loza underscore FF. Same handle. But go over to Instagram if you want some. Uh, uh, I, listen, I am not above a thirst trap. I will fully admit it. So on Thursdays, there's a little something extra. <laughs> but some fantasy takes too. We will check out your Instagram on Thursdays, of course. Um, everybody, please go follow Liz. She so deserves it. Check out her work over at Yahoo Sports. Today, we're going to be talking spice it takes for 2019. It's that time of year. We are headed into the season. It is all getting real. We just watched a fake football game essentially the other night, but that means real football's coming, right? Like we're here. We are here to plant our flags on our hot takes for 2019. Liz, I want you to kick it off here. Tell me your worst spicy take or best or best (laughs) or your best. Do you want me to start at like medium and then go up to ghost pepper? Like how, how should we? Yes. Okay. Let's do that so that we don't die before we get to the end of the podcast. All right. So I will say that I am South American. Um, and the, my hot sauce of choice is ahi, which is a Peruvian, um, type of hot sauce. I, I think it's a medium kind of habanero esque level of heat. So I'm going to start there with some, some Peruvian ahi, and I'm going to talk about Dante Moncrief. I know that he is not as spicy of a take, but I had this take back in May. And so I'm going to hang on to it. And you can go back to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Podcast mid-May episode where I talk about him. Um, and Harmon is dying, uh, be- not believing that I could possibly think that Moncrief and his stone hands could elevate. But the Steelers, 
as you guys well know, being in the Steel City, they need, with Antonio Brown gone, a big body who can high point and work as a legit red zone threat. The only other option is Vance McDonald. And guess what? Even though there are 225 targets vacated with Jesse James and AB gone, every damn year is Vance McDonald's supposed year. Dante Moncrief mm-hmm. is a better red zone threat. He can post up. And that is, in fact, what he does. Heck, it may not be all. That may be all he does. I, I mean, as a route runner, he may be limited, but catching touchdowns is what he did. I mean, you got to throw away last year in Jacksonville because Blake Bortles, no thanks. Throw away his last year mm-hmm. with the Colts because Andrew Luck wasn't a part of that. But remember the seven-touchdown season that he had in 2016 when T.Y. Hilton was doing all the dirty work in the slot. Kind of, even though Juju is moving out to the moving to the outside, what – that skill set of T.Y. Hilton and Juju Smith has a lot of overlaps. You have to imagine they're going to be used similarly. Also, Moncrief has been earning praise from Big, Brent, Big Ben. He's looking like a, quote, slam dunk number two receiver. That buzz has been mounting since the early summer. He's been climbing up draft boards um, since beat reporters have noted that he's open cl- camp as the starting wide receiver opposite Juju. But I think he is still a solid value at his current ADP. He's wide receiver 48, and that's according to Fantasy Football Calculator today, Tuesday, August 6th. And you can get him at the end of the 10th round. So you're still getting a potential seven-touchdown receiver, especially great in standard scoring leagues, um, in the double-digit rounds. Oh, it's absolutely maddening. I've I've also been on the Moncrief train. I watching the Steelers and watching um, you know the role of James Washington and at, last season. Obviously, you know the Steelers don't utilize their rookie wide receivers often, but when they did look to him, he just didn't look prepared. He didn't look confident. He just didn't look like that kind of guy that's going to earn Ben's trust. I feel like he's a big trust guy. Like. You have to be feeling Big Ben for him to get you those targets. And, I mean, we saw we saw nice progression from Moncrief's rookie season to his sophomore season. Um, and then opportunity has been the issue for him. He hasn't had the quarterback play. It, he Really, that's been his barrier, the quarterback play. Well, he's not play, a great route runner, and his skill set is limited. Like, he hasn't progressed in the way that a player that flashed as much as he did in college has. Um, but I do think you know, because it's a combination of things, right? Because he hasn't, his route tree is still pretty limited. And because he isn't the most uh, like dynamic athlete on the field. Well, he's, a, he's a, that's wrong. He is a dynamic athlete. He's not the most dynamic player. His technique is not particularly finessed and he hasn't had the opportunity. Then recency bias makes potential owners scared off because they're like, well, you didn't do anything then and you haven't done anything now. So you're a bust, but that. I think is a premature take. Agree. And my favorite thing you said is that Vance McDonald, you know, every year it's supposed to be the Vance McDonald year. I mean, the dude just can't play a full 16 games. It hasn't happened yet in a six, you know, six year career. And Ben loves his wide receivers. He, he loved him some Heath Miller, but besides that, he just likes to rely on his wide receivers a little bit more than his tight end. So I'm not super high in Vance McDonald like the rest of the fantasy world is. Love it. I love that. I love that take, Liz. Um, I I hear you have a little something else to say about my Steelers, and I feel like you're kind of coming at me right here. <laughs> well, I'm not. I understand why James Conner is a top 12 pick. Or let me rephrase that. If you are choosing a back to own in Pittsburgh, Conner is obviously the man. But 
I think that despite what the beat reporters are saying currently, it is foolish to believe that there is going to be a copying and pasting of the 2018 offense into 2019 because of the two players, Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown, that have since left the squad. I also think that the Steelers are going to have to rely on the run more. So yes, that does, if you're plugging and playing, bode well for Connor. And again, I don't think he's not, let's see where I have him ranked actually. I don't think he's not a top 15 pick but I think that people are automatically assuming that they're going to get that they're going to get AB's per, I'm sorry, Le'Veon Bell's production out of him, and that is completely foolish. Because so I have him as um, I have him in the I have him a top ten a top ten pick. So, but people are discounting Benny Snell, and I am here for the Benny Snell takes. In fact, here's a little story, a little insider behind the curtain news. I went to the NFL rookie premiere party um, in, in Beverly Hills, and I saw Clinton Portis, who I am friendly with. I've worked with him a couple of times, and he and I like have talked nine times. We always talk shop when we're together. And this rookie reveal party is when they reveal all of the jerseys for the first time to the rookies. And so I was talking to some of the different rookies and Clinton comes over and he's like, Liz, who do you like in this class? Like, and so we talked some David Montgomery, who I like a lot. And we talked some Josh Jacobs. Um, we talked some justice Hill and he was like, you know who I think I really like. And he pointed to Snell's Jersey. And I was like, really, you don't think he's too slow. That's the knock against him is his speed. And he was like, nah, I don't think it matters. And I know that the Pittsburgh Steelers love him. So I think when you look at Snell, who's got, who's a powerhouse with compact frame, he's got the girth and grit to dominate at the goal line. He scored 48 times in three college campaigns. So there's evidence of his goal line prowess there. And he's going to be working behind an offensive line. The football outsiders ranked among the top five run blocking units in power success. That's exactly what he does. He's got the ability to spot holes and the restraint that the patience and restraint that should lead to some impressive gains. So I think you also have to look at Connor. So, okay. So, so what? So he's a backup who could like maybe, maybe vulture some goal line looks. How's he going to get on the field? Well, he's going to get on the field because James Connor has had durability issues. His entire rookie season was lost. Right. And I love the kid. It's a great story. Pitt, the cancer bit. It's, it's awesome. I was super high on him when he came out two years ago. But he only had 12 starts in 2018. And Jalen Samuels, who's a converted tight end, we've discussed this. I've seen UK tweet about this, is certainly there to absorb some of the passing work. So I just think that the volume is not what we are expecting. And I also think that um, when you look at Snell's short yardage prowess and Jalen Samuels' ability to catch as a receiver, Connor's value, those two things combined are just enough to depress Connor's value. And he is so expensive right now that I would prefer to have a player like Nick Chubb. Oh, you're killing me. You're killing me, Liz. Actually, no, I think it's an interesting point. For the Steelers, as a Steelers fan, I think all of these offensive weapons are so important you know, moving forward, I said last season uh, before uh, CJ Anderson was signed by the Rams, I was like, man, we should have a backup running back like CJ Anderson. He's sitting on his couch. Why aren't we signing him? I feel like he's the kind of guy that could come in off his couch 
and dominate if James Conner went down. Guess what? James Conner went down. CJ Anderson went to the Rams and he dominated. Mm-hmm. I will 100% agree. Uh, Conner, you know, does seem to get banged up. And if Conner goes down, Benny Snell is the replacement. I think Jalen Samuels has his spot. You know, he, mm-hmm. he has... He's going to be the pass catching guy, but not necessarily take anything away from Connor. I mean, there's so many vacated targets. He can just be used in the passing game on his own. So I don't think Samuel's role changes that much if Connor goes down, but I do think Snell gets the majority of the carries at that point. But unless Connor goes down, I don't see him getting more than two carries a game, if that. I see him being the the Stephen Ridley role. Would you say? Sure. You don't see Snell getting more more than two yes. carries again. Sure. Yes. I, I think it's a very fair take. But right now, um, James Connor is a first round pick. Like he's going at the eleven spot as in he twelve team You know, Michelle. <laughs> <laughs> he is my baby. Like people, I, I, I get very defensive over James Connor. So that's when I saw this in here. I knew it would be. A, I knew it would be a fun one. But I totally get what you're saying. There's a lot of question marks, and taking a guy like that in the first round where you have to trust everything will be okay and he's not getting any work taken away is is very risky so i get what you're saying but so liz can I-, I tell you like how exciting this is sort of as a as a football fan in general i and i try not to be biased when it comes to the steelers but i feel like this off- offense is going to be like we have absolutely no idea what we're going to see i think that's so interesting to go into a season with a team that's been so transformed like this you don't you literally have no concept of of what I think what that's true of the whole division. I mean, the the Ravens are a totally transformed team, both on both sides of the ball because of all of the turnover on the defensive side of the ball. The Steelers have definitely need to reinvent themselves. The Cleveland Browns, right? Like this is new age. Even Vegas is buying into the I mean, if you look at the lines in Vegas on the Browns, and then, yeah. you know, the Bengals, I guess, are new in that Zach Taylor for the first time in over a decade. There's a new HC calling the plays. So the all of the teams I think here are are have a lot of intrigue and we just don't know. But I have a I have a question for you, Michelle, because you mentioned that James Conner should go in the first round. And again, I'm not disputing that if you want to go running back there. Although again, I, I think I would take Nick Chubb ahead of him, but I am exceedingly high on Chubb. Would you, if you're drafting at the end of the first round, take Michael Thomas, James Conner, or OBJ? All three are going around the same spot. So this one's kind of easy for me. So I'm going James Conner just because I think OBJ will take some time to get that connection with Baker. I'm a little bit worried about him going into the first year in that Cleveland offense. I still easily have him as a top uh, 12 wide receiver. It's just, uh, I'm just a little worried about that. And plus he has a lot of injury concerns as well. Michael Thomas, you know, it's the Drew Brees thing. Can you trust to play Michael Thomas on the road? Because Drew Brees on the road is pretty rough. So I don't want to take a first round pick in Michael Thomas either, where you're going to have a ton of boon games and then a lot of just nothing games. So I would take my, my dominant running back right there. Running backs are just so hard to come by, but I, I just, well, it would snake back to you. So you could take Michael Thomas with the 85% catch rate, the most efficient receiver in the league. I think he's going to catch everything, even with a diminished Drew Brees. And then on your turn, take someone like Nick Chubb or Dalvin Cook at running back. But that's your RB1. Dalvin Cook, obviously, you got injury concerns there. Nick Chubb, if you're worried about Kareem Hunt coming back in Week 10, then then you're worrying about Week 10 and Week 1, which I think is is an issue. But, but 
you could get one of those guys, but you're that staunch on James Conner. I, I mean, like, I love that you're sticking to your guns. I just wanted to like throw out <laughs> the different scenarios, you know? Yeah. And I would, I, I, there's a lot of wide receivers I like in the second round. So if I could grab a Julio Jones or even, I mean, Julio Jones versus James Conner would be a lot harder decision for me in the end of that first round or a Juju versus Conner. Um, two guys that I have in my top three, I have, uh, I have Julio second and Juju third. And now I'm looking like a huge Steelers Homer and maybe I am a little bit, but (laughs) or you could be like me. I try not to be a Homer. I feel like all my stats back it up, but who knows? But you could be like me and draft Mike Evans in the second round and get your wide receiver one there because he's money in the bank. Nobody talks about Mike Evans. That's probably actually my spiciest take. I did not pick him for this podcast. Mike Evans is my wide receiver one for 2019. Book it, write it down, save that paper for later. Cause like I got that in the bank. You go girl. I don't hate it. I don't hate it. No, I don't either. I don't have them there, but I don't hate it. Michelle. All right. I think it's time to move past the wounds and and heal. It's actually good for our listeners to hear an opposite side of James Conner because we're clearly both in love with him. So I love our listeners to hear both sides of a story because there's always two sides of a story. So it's good to hear the other side. So I'm thankful that you brought him up. You're welcome. So can I give you my spiciest take? Like, let's just go to ghost pepper and piss off a lot of folks. Um, (laughs) Do it. Kyler Murray ain't it. Like not in 2019, at least I'm not doubting his talent. He was my number one ranked rookie heading into this year's draft. Um, I mean, I will admit the drew lock I had ahead of Dwayne Haskins and that's not looking so promising. So take what you will with a grain of salt. Um, but to me, Kyler Murray, and I will credit, uh, so, so I was in Vegas at like a high stakes draft with a bunch of folks and we all talk shop at dinner. Cause we all just sit around and talk about football. That is in fact, what we, we do cause we're dorks in That's our, the dream in our spare time. Um, but it was L Zeidenfeld who's L smizzle on Twitter, L Zeidenfeld, <coughs> excuse me, when I was voicing my concerns about Kyler, because so much of this, like you've got a rookie head coach who does not have a winning record in college. There are some like shady stuff with USC. He wasn't able to win with um, Pat Mahomes. Like, and we're all just looking at the potential and this spread offense and assuming that it's going to work. Even though there is an offensive line that has a ton of question marks and almost broke last year's quarterback, but we're believing that the first year head coach is so different and so radical and has this vision that he is going to be able to install it from jump and gain production immediately in the desert. And I would say, number one, let's pump the brakes on that because the price that we, and and also I don't think Kyler Murray, I'm not, it's not that I'm bearish on him. I just think that the hype train has taken off and inflated his value so much. So much of this is about what are you going to pay? I think you're overpaying for him this year because we saw what Pat Mahomes, AKA football Jesus did last year. And we are expecting Kyler Murray to do the same thing, except every year ain't the same. And number two, and this is Al's point. If you look at the Arizona Cardinals schedule, their first four games are against rough defenses. They got the lions, the, they got the lions, the Ravens, the Seahawks and the Panthers four stout defenses. And even if Kyler like that, that Detroit game, maybe like, because those are two interesting kind of wonky teams, like there's going to be some hot takes coming out of week one for sure. But those are four strong defenses. They're also four defenses that like to play keep away. 
So what kind of opportunity is Kyler Murray going to get? Could he flash? Sure. Could he show his ceiling in moments? Absolutely. But is he going to do enough? This is a math-based game. This is a stats-based game. Is he going to do enough to actually give you production to return on where you drafted him when you, that means passing on someone like Carson Wentz or, you know, who, who may not make as many highlight real plays in the first month of the season, but is going to give you enough points to buoy your head to head week to week production. So I I just, I am worried that he's not going to get the ball, frankly, enough in that first month. And then people are going to get disappointed and drop him because quarterback's so deep, you don't need to trade for the position. And then you've wasted that pick where you could have found other value at either a different position or, or, you know, waited and and pick someone later. I am so with you here. I'm actually a pretty big Kyler Murray fan and I think he can put up pretty decent fantasy points with his legs. You know, like when you're going to rely on a rookie because he's not going to throw a lot of touchdowns as a rookie, you should not rely on that, but he should get you some good yardage um, on the ground. But an early eighth round pick when you can get guys like Cam Newton, Russell Wilson, Jared Goff, like uh, even a Lamar Jackson or a Dak Prescott, Josh Allen later in the, in the draft, it makes no sense to me. His price is absurd right now. And I I think you're drafting him at a ceiling Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of risk in that player. I agree. And the, the biggest issue, I'm glad that you pointed this out was sort of the the coaching history and the fact that everybody's excited for the Cliff Kingsbury experience, air it out, air raid offense. When like the circumstances that brought him to the Cardinals were just weird. And I like, he put in his, his, you know, he signed some contract with some team and then he backed it. It was very odd. Like the circumstances leading up to, to that, you're right. He wasn't productive with Mahomes. It, it just wasn't, it, it's hard to know what he's actually going to do in the NFL because there have been plenty, plenty coaches who emerge from college football who just don't, it doesn't translate to the NFL. Um, and you're also looking at Kyler Murray, who I know he's, he's elusive. He, you know, he doesn't take big hits because he will bring himself down. He'll, he, he'll well, take he the quote unquote to, sack. Right. But like he exactly. also hasn't had 300 pound linebackers running at him. Like the level of competition yes. is a totally different thing. Yeah, and I don't. I don't think it's it's stated enough that he's he's definitely going to have to, um, you know, be be super hyper aware of of those three hundred pound men who are going to be chasing him down because they they can probably break the line a little quicker. They can get to him a little faster, and he's going to have to know what to do with the ball if he's going to want to not be tackled by those three hundred pound men. I also hate to make this analogy, but like Deshaun Watson was just fire in his first few starts rookie year, right? And what happened? Towards ACL, right? Like, I don't want to put that bad juju on anybody, obviously, but like, again, the point is not, is Kyler Murray going to be a stud? Sure. The point is, do I want to buy him at his price right now in August of 2019? Nah. Especially when there's so many, like right around where you would draft him, there are so many just solid, like him going before Cam Newton is just you're overthinking it. You're just overthinking it. It is recency bias because people are like hung up on Cam's shoulder. That is always to me the best. Like if you could find a stud that had a, a a stud or someone who has certainly been buzzed about or been a consistent producer, but had an off year either due to injury or circumstance, different circumstance, 
they're, I, those are the best value targets for me. Like those are the people that I always want to get the one year Tyler Eifert stayed healthy, right? Like that was a perfect example of something like that. I always try to chase the guys who had an anomaly of a year and scared everybody off and lean into that fear factor. Speaking of anomaly, I think we could get into my spicy take. Do it. Right. Are you ready for this, Liz? Sure. Jordan Reed is a top 12 tight end. Top 12 in 2019. I know. I know he has. Does he have any toes? He had some, he had something done down South in his feet. Um, he has not stayed healthy. He's never played a full 16 games, but when I'm looking at his stats, he was actually so productive last year. And he was like the quietest productive human being in the entire world. He was ranked number five in targets per uh, route run per PFF. He's got um, an offense that likes to throw to the tight end. Washington ranked number four in targets to the tight end. Vernon Davis. I'm sorry. You cannot last forever. Like, is this man ever going to leave the NFL? I don't think so. He will probably die on the field and he will be happy with that. But if we take Jordan Reed's season last year, he played 13 games, which is actually his second healthiest season ever. And nobody talks about that. You want to talk about the fact that he's never healthy? That was his second healthiest season. He had 84 targets, 54 receptions. But when I look at his uh, receiving percentage, down the line, across the board, he is the most steady, steady receiving tight end. Catch percentage, average across the board, 75%, 76, 76, 76, 74, 77. Last year, he had a 64% uh, catch rate. And I'm going to guess it had to do with the fact that, yeah, the offense wasn't great. He was coming off of foot surgery. Um, people said he lacked explosiveness. And guess what? All of those concerns, like... Um, they've got a couple more offensive weapons. They they re-signed AP. They have Geis back. Um, I don't think Geis will be totally up to speed, you know, come the come the start of the season. I expect a slower start, but they've got some more offensive weapons than I think anybody's giving them credit for. Terry McLaurin's gotten great, great buzz out of camp. Um I I just think when you're looking at a guy who literally was their leading receiver last year, was he the quietest leading receiver of the entire football league. I think so. Well, I mean, that's, I think that says more about Washington's offense than it does about Jordan Reed, but yes, it does. But, but when I'm looking at that, if I literally just, just bumped up his, his catch percentage closer to his career average, which I mean, that average was steady across the board for five seasons straight. If I bumped that up at all, um, you know, I'm looking at, uh, what is this? The tight end 10, right? If I, if I regress, if I give him some positive regression closer to, um, you know, catch percentage of around 75%, which he's been steady at, he would literally have finished as the tight end 10. And guess what? He's, he's going basically undrafted in your fantasy drafts. And that's with him getting two receiving touchdowns. Two. Which was the leader of the Washington Redskins receivers, <laughs> like the leader of uh, receiving touchdowns. Isn't that insane too? How bad were they last year? They were, they were so bad. They had, they were riddled of injuries, but I think everybody should come back a little bit healthier this season. Jordan Reed has gotten great, great hype out of camp. Everybody says he looks healthy. He looks explosive off the line. I think this is his year to shine and I'm going to be buying him everywhere that I can just based on price. Cause I think he's got the upside. 
I mean, I have him as my wide receiver for, I'm sorry, my tight end 14. Um, Not bad. So I, I'm, I'm tight end 14 going in the 14th round. Would you rather have Jordan Reed or Michael Gallup? Like to me, when you look at the tight end position, I just wrote for Yahoo Sports um, a tight end, a positional strategy piece about tight ends. He, to me, is a perfect example of one of those as we, you know, that was a perfect segue into it, um, Kate, about a guy who was a producer, but put enough doubt in people's minds that he has become an afterthought. And I love that you mentioned the point of him being a year removed from that toe surgery now and him looking more explosive. And also, the only thing I think that you didn't mention is the fact that Trent Williams is not going to be protecting whether it's Case Keenum or Dwayne Haskins blindside. And I imagine that Case Keenum, I imagine that Dwayne Haskins is going to become the starter at some point. And that's a rookie quarterback with zero mobility. He's very much a throwback statue style uh, quarterback. He is going to need, especially if that O-line and his blindside is not shored up, a nice um, security blanket and Jordan Reed in the middle, along with Trey Quinn, boom, the yeah. slot kid who's going to walk his way back into some awesome PPR production accidentally. Also undrafted right now. Um, what? Why? He's also undrafted. Trey Quinn also undrafted because no one wants to touch Washington. But I, so I think like if you aren't going to bet on, uh, I, I obviously I feel like Jordan Reed is a better play because there's more red zone and end zone touchdown upside than you're going to get with Trey Quinn. Trey Quinn is like, a great PPR play, um, but he's not going to see the goal line nearly as often. So um, I, I, I think, you know, when you need a security blanket, a healthy Jordan Reed can certainly do that. So kudos. I assume, Michelle, are you on board too? I, I'm kind of on board. I like me some Delaney Walker or Jimmy Graham, a couple, you know, other tight ends going super late that are also old and forgotten about, uh, for a, a couple of different reasons. But if I missed out on them, I would be fine taking Jordan Reed. I think, I think waiting on a tight end this year with so many old guys that are just forgotten about due to injuries, you know, people forget Jimmy Graham had a bro- broken thumb last year. Uh, I, there's so much good value later in the draft. I think that's our, our we're always looking for value. And I think that's that's sort of where we we find the the excitement in these spicy takes because I think most spicy takes generally have to to deal with the fact that you're either going to be spending too much on a guy or you are going to be finding insane value in some of these late round guys and tight ends a position you know unless you're in a two tight end league I think that's the um, you know the place to play your your I don't know roulette tight end roulette is that okay. Yeah, you're going to throw your darts. Yeah. Yes, I'm going to throw my darts, and one of them will hit Jordan Reed, and he'll be out the rest of the season. (laughs) Michelle, who is your – I'm sorry, what is your spicy take for 2019? So my spicy take, I have been very, very high on the Buffalo Bills offense this offseason, and I I can't give you a reason why. I just love them. I love everything about this offense going into 2019. It's all the potential. But my main guy on that team that I've been hyping up is John Brown, and I think John Brown can get up to 1,000 yards and eight touchdowns Mm. playing with Josh Allen. And my reason behind this is because John Brown is that deep threat wide receiver. Well, guess what? Josh Allen loves the throw deep. So when you're looking at John Brown last year with Joe Flacco, weeks one through nine, that's when Joe Flacco was a starter for the Ravens and John Brown was the starting wide receiver with him. He saw 24 deep targets during that time. That was first in the NFL during that span. That was above Tyreek Hill, who saw 21, Deshaun Jackson with 19, Antonio Brown with 17, Julio Jones with 17. 
So he was the deep target man of the NFL. With Joe Flacco, his stats for a 16-game pace would have been 1,068 yards and seven touchdowns. But then Lamar Jackson came to town. Or he was there, but he, you know, he took over. And his 16-game pace with Lamar Jackson was 18 receptions for 261 yards and two touchdowns. Oh, no. That is a full season game pace. 261 yards, two touchdowns compared to over 1,000 yards and seven touchdowns. Lamar Jackson ruined John Brown and the rest of the wide receivers there. John Brown was a top 20 wide receiver when he had Joe Flacco. And it's not even like Joe Flacco. I mean, he did, he did throw deep, but 13.7% of the time he threw deep, which was great. But guess what? Josh Allen throws deep on 19.7% of the time, which led the league in the NFL. He was, he was ranked first in the NFL. So I just think this is a match made in heaven. When you, when you have a guy like John Brown, who has led the league in deep targets, and then you have a Josh Allen who led the league in deep targets, deep passes. I I'm just projecting great things for this duo. And we've seen Josh Allen, like, you know, have two wide receivers last year when he came back from injury from weeks 12 to 13, through 17, he had two wide receivers that he supported to be top 20 wide receivers. Zay Jones was a wide receiver 20 during that time. And Robert Foster was a wide receiver 17. And yes, it's a small, you know, a small sample size. It's only six weeks, but he still showed that he can make wide receivers relevant in fantasy. And if they, if the bills trusted in Zay Jones and Robert Foster to keep producing in the same way, they went and went out and signed John Brown and Cole Beasley. So I think John Brown becomes the main target there and he just takes off with Josh Allen. And no, I'm not saying he's a top 12 wide receiver, but he can be a top 24 and he's going in the what 13th round. He's a steal. And who else are you taking there that has that upside? Not many people. Liz, what do you think about the Bills offense in 2019? Because we're, I think we've hyped ourselves into like our own, our own hype train. I think we started that. I feel <laughs> um, like we did. I think it's going to be interesting. I mean, I think that when you add a player, so when you have an inefficient, less than accurate passer like Josh Allen, the best way to help cure that beyond working with tired Tom house about mechanics over the summer, which is always what happens is to add the best damn ball tracker in the league. And that's what John Brown can do. I mean, Sigmund Bloom once said that years ago that watching John Brown play in Arizona was like watching a dog catch a Frisbee. Like he can always just come up and get it. And I think that that's a really astute observation. And that is, and that his presence, along with a security blanket like Cole Beasley, are meant to progress the skill set and the mechanics of a quarterback who certainly has a rushing ability and plays with his hair on fire, but maybe make those harder <laughs> decisions easier for him. I am worried because Sean McDermott is a defensive-minded coach um, and always pulls out a good defense that, again, opportunity is not necessarily always going to be there. Um, for Josh Allen, because there is an obvious lean on the run that's going to happen. Even, you know, I love like uh, today, LaShawn McCoy is still supposed to be the guy, but this backfield, like God bless the souls courageous enough to gamble on this back soul backfield. <laughs> um, so I, I mean, I guess like, I like John Brown as a best ball pick. I don't know if I want to deal with the inconsistencies, especially as rapport is being developed early in the season. Um, 
on my squad on a week to week basis, but certainly the upside is there. And all of the stats and, and process that you've put forth are a hundred percent. I can see a range of outcomes and when, in which those, those things come true. I just think that late in drafts, you're sort of deciding which dart throw and what position needs the most shoring up on your squad. And also I think we need to talk about this. And when we look at squads, like people often, um, have to, like sometimes like for instance if I am drafting um Dalvin Cook and who else did I get Dalvin Cook and Carry on Johnson I am probably going to draft a Lamar Miller later because and maybe even reefer right like I want to balance that out I want there to be balance in my roster makeup I don't want everyone to be a high upside guy so if I have already gambled on Deshaun Jackson for instance I'm not going to touch John Brown um but if I have a lot of safer players then John Brown makes sense there. Kind of depends how the chips fall. So um, personally, I'm just worried about the opportunity. Um, and but but I'm very excited to see what happens in Buffalo. I don't know if I want a personal stake on a week to week basis in it. I think you're right. There's a huge range of outcomes that we can see there. Literally in every every aspect offensively, like there's a huge range of outcomes for Josh Allen. Like. Um, you know, a lot of his rushing yards came on scrambles. Will they start to design some plays? Cause he was so proficient in that run game. Um, will, will the wide receiver core show up? Will the running back game, like, will it be a three headed monster? We literally have no idea. They're kind of one of those, apparently this is just an AFC team, uh, thing where mm-hmm. the offenses are just so up in the air and we could really see a little bit of everything from this offense. So I think it's it's challenging to predict, and I think you brought up a great point about roster construction. I don't think um, I don't think we talk about roster construction enough here. Like when we're talking about our values, you're totally right. It depends. Like if you're going to take one of these guys, you have to have the right roster for it, um, and make sure that you're not tanking your team by going for it, you know all the upside in the world while you have like 12 points in one week. Cause you just tried to shoot the moon. Liz, can we keep you for one more second? Yeah. Do you want to play a game of rapid reaction with yeah. us? Let's do it. All right. So I'm going to give you a category, right? You're going to give me your first reaction, like first thought off the tippy top of your, your awesome brain. And we're, we're just going to go into it. 2019 fantasy football bust. Oh my God! You guys just went in. Okay. Um, uh, <laughs> Wait. Do over. <laughs> um, fantasy football 2019 bust is going to be uh, Damian Williams. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I can't believe cool. I said that. I love you so much. You just okay. made up for everything with James Conner, and now okay. you're my favorite person again. Uh, your favorite thing to do in your spare time, not fantasy football. Read. Favorite book. I'm reading a, uh, the the Myths of Avalon. Never read it. Oh my god, it's so good! It's like the feminist retelling of the Arthurian legend. It's fantastic. Wonderful. I'll put it on my list. Uh, 2019 fantasy football league winner. <laughs> Drew Lock. <laughs> <Not right. laughs> oh <my God. laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna book you on that one. I'm gonna book you on that one. You said what comes to your head. Uh, I'm gonna say <laughs> not not the the most common answer. <laughs> Can you imagine if that's correct? You will be like you still you you planted your flag right here on the I, vault last podcast. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say um I'm gonna say Carry on Johnson. No, you said you're locked. You're just trying to uh, make me like you now with that carry on Johnson and the Damian Williams. All right. 
What NFL team will have the first overall pick in the 2020 NFL draft? The New York Giants. Oh, I think so too. Yeah. <laughs> I'm okay. sorry, guys. Um, and that wasn't to target any f- specific fan base, but I'm genuinely curious. I tried to ask that question on Twitter, and guess what? I phrased it incorrectly, and everybody thought I meant who did I think was going to be drafted at the 101, Oh, and it snowballed. So I'm glad I got a real answer, and I figured out how to actually phrase that question. If you can only eat one food for the rest of your life, it would be? Pizza. Um, we do like you. We really do. <laughs> Matt Harmon is? My work proximity associate. Okay. <laughs> Excellent. I think he'll appreciate that. He's a good dude. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Liz. We had a few more. We had a few more spicy takes. I think we'll share them on Twitter, though, because we have kept Liz Loza, the goat, long enough. <laughs> um, um, this wow. has been so awesome. We loved picking your brain. You have a great brain to pick. You have been so, so wonderful. And honestly, just inspiring in general. Keep hustling and keep doing what you're doing because you are an inspiration. Absolutely. Everybody trying to make it into this industry because it's it's a pretty challenging thing to do. Especially us ladies. Yes. Yeah. Especially when you think Drew Locke is going to be your league winner next year. I mean, that is a take that I want to be known for, for sure. I love that he popped into your head. <laughs> yeah. Big Denver um, fan, clearly. <laughs> Obviously. What I was thinking. Um, no, but cool, it, let's you, roll with it. Yeah, it's fine. You planted your flag. I'll, we'll be posting this all over Twitter. It's fine. It's going to be fine. Awesome. Um, thank you so much, Liz. We really appreciate it. Yeah.